Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning and welcome to today's show, everybody. I am so excited to have you here, as I am every single week. And today we have a special treat because there's actually somebody in the studio with me. We don't have a call-in guest from all over the world, although... Um, an upcoming show, we are going to have a guest who speaks about the 24-hour woman from Singapore, Cheryl Lu Shang. So that should be a fun thing because it's a 13-hour time difference between Singapore and here. And as you know, the show is on 11 a.m. Eastern. So that one, she's going to be talking to us quite late in another day. Um, today, we've got something near and dear to my heart to talk about, which is caregiving. As you know, I had mentioned that one of the segments on the show is going to be about caregiving support. Since I care 24 hours a day, three, six, seven days a week, 365 for my mom. And what I've realized is it is a lot more exhausting than I thought it would ever be. I love my mom. I can't imagine doing anything else besides helping her through this next phase of her life. I mean, the woman took care of me my entire life, and is still taking care of me. I'm 52 years old now, and yet my mom still worries about me, I think, even more than I worry about her. So once a mom, always a mom. And I never had children, so I don't really get the concept of there's this other thing that you need to do every day. And I've talked to a lot of parents about this, and they say, well, taking care of an elderly parent is very different than taking care of a child because the goal of being a parent is to raise your children to be independent. And at some point, hopefully, although I have some friends whose kids have come back, um, they will leave the nest someday and live their own lives, have children of their own, and be in a different place from your own home, and you will have independence again. When you're caring for an elderly person, um, a parent, a friend, whoever it may be, that doesn't happen. They don't become independent. They become more and more dependent. So they become more and more like infants. And for somebody like me who's never raised a child and been through that process of the questions children ask or um, teaching them, in some cases, right for wrong and safety because elderly people often lose some of the ability to think right like we think right thinking should be. I did some research before my guest came on today, and it's estimated that about 300—excuse me, having trouble speaking today—375 million dollars is spent, almost twice as much, in free services by people that are caregiving for chronically ill or elderly people, either on a short-term or a long-term basis, each year in the U.S. Half that amount is spent on home care and nursing home services. So twice as much money is estimated to be given away for free by the people caregiving. More than 65 million people, that's 29% of the U.S. population, provide care for chronically ill, disabled, or aged family members or friends during any given year. 78% of adults living in the community in need, long-term care depend on family and friends as their only, repeat this, only source of help. So what do we do? How do we handle this raging need in our society today? And this is not just a U.S. issue. This is a world issue. But in the U.S., we have a tendency to use more 
outside of the home healthcare services. In a lot of other countries, I have friends, as you just heard, in Singapore and around the world, the culture is set up more for caring for the elderly. There's a lot more generational housing and things like that, and there's a lot more support systems for it. My guest today is Karen Rose Deagle, and she is the President and Chief Executive Officer for the Senior Resource Association here in Vero Beach, Florida. She's held the position since 2006, and the Senior Resource Association is a nonprofit organization that provides activities, education, and services benefiting seniors in Indian River County. The organization is also contracted as a community transportation coordinator, providing both paratransit and mass transit for residents of the community. Now, having come from New York and Connecticut, I'm used to seeing buses that look more like buses than the Senior Resource Association buses. But they get the fact that this is a different kind of community where seniors are a major part of it and things need to be done differently. So Karen holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Health Administration from Florida Atlantic University and has a Master's degree in Health Administration from the University of Florida. She's originally from Canada, so she has a different perspective on some things with seniors that we're going to get her to talk about a little bit here as well. And she's resided in Indian River County with her daughter, Jessica, since 1991. She is a U.S. citizen since 2002. And welcome. That's awesome. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. I love that you chose to do that. She holds so many positions that I'm just going to name a couple. Florida Public Transportation Association Board Chair, Florida Council on Aging Board Member, Indian River County Chamber of Commerce, Florida Aging Service Providers Association. The list goes on and on and on. Um, She and her staff received the Urban Community Transportation Coordinator of the Year Award. Um, She also, this is a really special one to her heart. We were just talking about this. In 2014, she received the Civic Professional Woman of the Year Award from the Junior League of Indian River County. She has really devoted her life to making a difference for those who are aging and for those who care for those who are aging. So welcome to my show. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. And the other exciting thing is, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm on the board of a charity in town called Impact 100, where we donate $100,000 grants. And last year, this year, we gave out $454,000 to um, seven recipients for $100,000 grants. And Senior Resource Association received one of those this year. That is so exciting. (laughs) I'm excited to see what happens with that. But um, the reason I mention it is because one of the things that you do is you have a daycare. That's right. And as a caregiver, one of the biggest challenges I find I face is me time. That's right. And I'm very fortunate in that I don't have a regular nine to five job, although I've never worked nine to five in my life. It's more been like nine to eight. (laughs) Um, And you have a place for people to go. What have you seen happening in not only in this community, since you do get around with the whole aging in America, wow, um, we're we're transforming um, the the whole um, process of aging. The number of people that are aging um, is creating a need in the all communities uh, to take a really close look at how we are going to provide services for the individuals that are aging, but also um, as importantly or even more importantly, the caregivers. And I think that's one of the things that I have found out over the years that I've been working with this is that uh, when I first came on board with the Senior Resource Association, it was all about the clients. 
how are we going to prepare and take care of those clients? What kind of programs could we have for the clients? Um, the, that was the, uh, the clients are the, the ones that are aging, the ones that need to be taken care of. Um, what we're, we're finding out where the paradigm shift is happening, and even in my organization, is what do we need to do for the caregiver? Uh, the caregiver is is the one like yourself who is taking care of your loved one 24-7. Uh, and, you know, what can we do to support the caregiver uh, so that they are able to then take care of what, what I'll call the client at home? Senior Resource Association is based on the need to keep people in their homes as long as, as possible. Uh, it's a community home-based programs that we offer being that it's the adult daycare or the, you know, nutrition programs, the Meals on Wheels. So we want your loved one to stay at home and be amongst their treasures. And um, But we need, as a community, we need to support the ones that are taking care uh, of uh, the, the, the individuals. Well, you, you talked about keeping the aging person in their home amongst their treasures as much as possible. Yet what I've seen with my mom is she, she's like, I will just sit in this chair all day long and crochet and watch TV. And if we're doggy sitting, since my dog died in January, we've been doggy borrowing because I'm not ready to take on another life responsibility right yes. now. So I just go kidnap dogs around the neighborhood and take them for the day or overnight. And it's great. It's wonderful. And, and, and lucky for the others. <laughs> yeah, because they get a break, right? They That's don't right. have to caregive for the animal at the time. But I don't really think that that's good because I feel like my mom gets isolated. And I noticed her social skills and her verbal skills and even her hearing skills seem to degenerate. They become internal is what happens when a person is isolated at home, um, whether they have someone, a caregiver, or if they're by themselves, they become isolated and um, digress even more. Um, you know, what we find with, with our adult daycare is the socialization that comes along with, uh, um, you know, participating with others, that interaction, very important. Um, even if you don't think that they understand what's going on around them, just to have that activity, um, you know, whether it is um, looking at pictures in a picture book or music is huge. Um, music just brings back good memories and it um, uh, and it instills, um, geez, I don't even know what the words would be, um, but um, to, to be able to dance. And, and I know that sounds funny. You think, oh my gosh, my mom would never dance. What do you mean? She's going to sit at home and she wants to be in front of that TV. Once you get them into a program where there's that kind of activity and there's other of like, they blossom. And we have seen such improvements with individuals who have been like your mom at home and um, they bring them, you know, to a program uh, and, and like ours and they, uh, they start to actually socialize, interact with the other individuals and um, enjoy it. You know, you talked about music therapy and 
uh, Visiting Nurse Association right. also received a $100,000 grant from Impact 100 mm-hmm. for their music therapy program. We're going to have Maureen Burkhart on the show as well. And I was talking to her, and one of the things she said was, Music is really great, especially if you can give them music from the time period when their they era. were younger, their era and everything. But she said, no more than four hours a day, because what they've seen is it then creates a stress. Mm. And I've noticed that because my mom has a TV on all day, every day, and it's on like 24 hours a day, it seems like. And the volume is very loud because of hearing issues. Mm-hmm. And she watches Family Feud a lot, but she also watches the news a lot. And I notice the more she watches, the more anxious and stressed she gets. And you try to shut it off, but she needs that sort of stimulation. And I totally get that adult daycare can create a place of shaking up the stimulation, which a caregiver at home, after a while, you just can't think of things to do. I mean, it's just like a parent. You can only have so many activities that you can think of, and then you expect the kids to entertain themselves, which can't always happen with an elderly person. And we're going to come back from our break and speak more with Karen Deagle about um, caregiver support and aging in America and what we can do about it. We'll be right back. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. We are back with our guest, Karen Deagle, the president and chief executive officer of the Senior Resource Association here in Vero Beach, Florida. And Karen, um, one of the things that we do on this show, since it's all about the questions and I'm all about the questions, that's what my book is all about, about how you can, because the right questions truly can change your life. And in the aspect of caregiver support and aging support, I think questions are so critical to determine how the next phase of somebody's life can be, either the caregiver or the person who is receiving the care. Um, You talked about adult daycare, and we talked a little bit about um, what happens as somebody ages, that they're not like a child and they go independent, they actually revert backwards. What are some of the warning signs that, a family member needs to begin thinking that caregiving is beginning to come or that I need to get my aging parent to somebody to get some help. Well, and of course, every individual is different. But some of the questions or some of the signs that you need to to be looking at would be um, how, how they're managing themselves in their in their home? What does their home look like? Um, Is there things misplaced, put in different places? Uh, Is your mom or dad or your loved one um, misplacing items that they normally wouldn't have misplaced? Um, Are they asking questions repeatedly? Um, Are they not able to answer certain questions um, that they would normally be able to answer? Um, I kind of, I'll I'll go back to, um, this is a number of years ago, and this is kind of a personal experience, and it's with my grandmother. Um, God rest her soul, she's no longer with us. But um, it wasn't Alzheimer's that my grandmother had problem with. She had many strokes, is what we found out, which uh, eventually led to her uh, demise and uh, have um, some type of dementia. Um, But my mom and my two uncles... Um, they would 
uh, they, I don't think that they wanted to recognize that there were some issues. My grandmother lived by herself, and of course, they would all check on her phone calls on a regular basis. She's doing fine. You know, you ask the same question, like I call my mom and dad and say, how are things going? You doing okay? Oh, yeah, we're fine. Uh, you know, the weather's great, that, that kind of conversation. But um, I really don't know if they're fine or not. And parents are not going to tell their child that they need help or that something's going wrong. So it's really important that the children or family or friends or whoever is really looking, looking, not only hearing, but looking at uh, what they are doing in their home. And um, with my grandmother, it ended up that um, she ended up having a really bad fall one night. And um, fortunately, she did have the, the lifeline. Which and, I can't get my mother to get at and all. And that's, you know, those are the kind of things that really need to work on, getting those tools that they need at home if they're by themselves. And uh, so my mom was called in and my uncles, and they went to the home, and they started to look around. And they realized that my grandmother had put little notes everywhere to let her know where things were. Gotcha. And... Um, it was a it was a real hard conversation. I happened to be in Canada at the time that uh, that this was going on, and they were making the decision of what they're going to do. You know, with my grandma, um, you know, would it be appropriate for her to come into the home with one of them, or uh, they have a wonderful um, assisted living facility there? And so that conversation started, and uh, it, it was really really tough because it's their mom. And they're going to be, they're talking about removing their mom from her home and from her belongings and moving her to a different place. And so, um, you know, yes, you asked the question, you know, what are the things that you need to look for and, uh, um, you know, how do you make those decisions? And, you know, I really think it comes down to the safety of the person. If you realize that that person is in their home and is not safe, that it's not safe for them to be by themselves, that they're going to turn the stove on and forget they turn the stove on and leave it on? Um, are, you know, are they going to turn a tap on and of the tub, say, to, you know, have a, a bath and forget that they turn the tap on and leave their home and they flood their home? You know, and there's so many on and on and on of, of situations that, that they could run into. So, uh, you know, asking the questions, is it safe? Is it safe for this loved one to be by themselves? And and keep looking. Keep looking for signs. Yeah, and one of the things that I discovered as well, and, you know, I was listening to what you are just saying about your grandmother, you know, like you call up and, and you think you go over, right, and, and ask. But if they know you're coming over, they often have the presence of mind at certain stages to make it look more normal for you. That's right. So you need to look deeply into the house, like opening the refrigerators and looking right. inside the cabinets and even the dishwasher to see if there's anything in there or what's going on, looking in the bathrooms. Um, I noticed a sign with other family members, and, and even with my mom now, she's like, well, I just hang around the house a lot, so she wears the same things. And I began to realize that sometimes 
picking clothes out can be an overwhelming task. Mm -hmm. Stuff that we don't think twice about, it's like, okay, pick out a pair of shoes, pick out a top, pick out a pair of pants, can be an overwhelming concept for them because they don't see clothing. They just see one big thing. And to get them to narrow down their focus is a little bit difficult. Um, So when you, you talked about some of the questions to ask, I like to think of it as how can we shake up the question to take them out of a normal routine to see if they can respond? Does does that seem to be a, a good tactic? Yes, and, and of course, you know, I'm not an expert on this by any means. Uh, and, but you have personal experience but and I've you've had seen per- it. Exactly, and I've seen it. And there are a number of questions that I know physicians go through uh, to to determine where they are at, what level. Of course, you know, it's counting certain or uh, um, giving, say, three things and say repeat it and then and and seeing if they can repeat it back to you and waiting a bit of time and having them repeat it again uh you know there are, there's obviously there's a lot of uh tactics out there that that can be used to to see what level uh, yeah. cognitively they're at one of the things that i noticed with that was my mom would be on when she's at the doctors cuz there's this adrenaline yep. hit <laughs> And then as soon as she'd leave, all the symptoms would come back, and they're like, she's fine. And I'm like, no, she's not. So we're going to go into the news break, and I just want you to keep in the back of your mind, if you have an elderly parent, um, are they on when they're with you? What are they like when they're not? Start thinking about what it's like when you're not around. And we're going to talk about some things that you can do when you're not around to make them be a little bit safer. We'll be right back. So, Karen, we were talking about caregivers and caregiver support and and some of the questions you need to be asking when you're starting to maybe get an idea that there might be something you need to pay attention to. One of the things that I noticed with my mom was when I was in the car driving with her and she was driving, she seemed to be a lot more anxious in parking lots Mm -hmm. and her spatial perceptions began to change. Um, When I would go visit her, which I used to do a lot, I'd see a few more dents and dings on the car. <laughs> and my mom never had accidents her entire life. But it started me thinking that we may be entering a conversation time around it's time for them to stop driving, <laughs> which when my dad got diagnosed with Parkinson's, we had talked that at some point, relatively soon, he was probably going to be at the point where he needed to stop driving. No matter how mentally good he was, Physically, it would be too dangerous. And he made me promise. And he said, do you want to record me on this? Which I did. Very smart move on my part. When you think it's time, record this conversation where I said, I will listen to you. (laughs) Because he said, I may not. And when it came time to it, I played the recording and he goes, I'm not ready yet. So thankfully, I had some family friends who were attorneys. And they did a lot of personal injury uh, law. And they talked to my dad about the financial cost if he were to get into an accident and it was shown that he had Parkinson's. So now he's premeditative with the driving, knowing that it could possibly happen. And he's like, he hands me the keys the next day. Now, not everybody has access to friends like that, but I knew enough to know that I needed support from outside to help me gather this. And for a lot of... My listeners out there, they may not have support. Um, 
they may not know the questions to ask, and they may not know where they can get support. Senior Resource Association is here in Vero Beach, but I'm sure there are organizations all over the country. I mean, I know I lived in Norwalk, Connecticut, and we had elder care, um, and they had senior daycare, and it was wonderful, and it was a charity that I donated to all the time because I believed in it. How can somebody, what should they look for or Google or whatever to help them find resources to help them with their elderly parent who may not have memory issues, but maybe can't drive anymore, but is still independent enough. But, you know, they want to go get their own groceries. And you may not live like I do. I moved down here to be close to my parents to help them. Not everybody has that flexibility. There's a lot of resources, um, in, information referral. Of course, Senior Resource Association, you know, we do well over 2,400 calls a year uh, just on information and referral. Um, also, we have the 211 uh, number. We also have the elder hotline numbers. Um, and they all have resources if, for, uh, and of course, you know, Googling is, is great as well when you're wanting to have uh, different resources for, for specific things. Uh, I think the, the driving aspect, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, one of the things that I'm very much involved with in, at the state level um, is the different programs that we are offering for seniors. Um, in, in Indian River County, of course, we have our paratransit system, community coach. So for someone like your dad who is independent, can no longer drive, um, but wants to do his own thing, usually there's some type of transportation provided in the community to get that person from their home to any appointment that they want to go to. That's what we do with the community coach uh, program here. Uh, they just have to be eligible to ride and, and fill out the forms and, and become eligible, And uh, um, but they do have to book it in advance. So it's not as – it's restraining, I suppose, in yeah. some ways because they can't just say, oh, gee, I'd really like to go to Walmart today and call up and, and be able to get that ride. It's not like a taxi cab. So it's another hit to their ego and their that's self-esteem right. and, that's, and their independence. That's right. And, of course, you know, that's like all of us. Um, we, we like our independence. We want to drive. We want to get in our vehicle and go, and they've been used to it all their life. And to take that away from them, that independence, um, that's a hard hit. And um, how, how do you have that conversation? You know, I'm, I'm impressed that you were able to have that conversation with your father and he was willing to listen or to talk about it. A lot of people are not. And a lot of um, children don't want to even broach the subject. I, I know if I were ever to talk to my dad about it, say, you know, listen, Dad, gee, I, I think that maybe you shouldn't be driving anymore. Oh, I can hear him speak to me now. <laughs> He'd take that old big figure of his that he used to point at me and say, there's no way, I'm keeping my license. Uh, so how, how, you know, how would I go about doing it? Obviously, yeah, support in the community. Um, normally, um, pro- in normal cases, it's, it's referral with the physicians. You really um, get some help from the doctors, and it's, you know, don't shoot the messenger, but in a lot of cases, having, like you did, with an attorney and explaining, you know, why you shouldn't be, and if, if you know, that hit home with your dad, that may not hit home with other people, though. So, um, tough, tough conversation to have, um, but in the end, 
uh, again, it goes back to what I've always said. You know, what's the safest thing for that person? Um, are they going to hurt themselves? Or are they going to hurt someone else? And if that answer is yes for either uh, either of those questions, there needs to be a conversation had by someone. One of the things that I think is so hard, and I know there's a lot of things that are so hard, is how do you know when you need to become the parent to your parent mm-hmm. and when they're still able to parent themselves? It's such a tough question. And, and if your parent is having memory issues, there becomes a line where you just know that they can't. But if they're not at that point yet or they're in and out, it's very stressful for the caregiver. I, I mean, I know I go through this all the time because some days my mom seems like, okay, she can take care of herself. She She's totally fine making decisions and choices. And then the next second, it'll be like, okay, can you cook dinner, mom? Now, my mom made the most amazing food in the world. I mean, I had people up to seven, a couple of years ago coming over my house, begging for my mom's pot roast, the goulash, <laughs> the roast chicken, the turkey, whatever it was. And then all of a sudden one day I watched my mom and she put stuff in the oven with no seasonings on it, whatever. She just stuck it on broil. She was not cooking well. And it was because she couldn't remember certain things. Right. But I still want my mom there. Mm-hmm. Now, to drop my mom off in an adult daycare, to me, feels like I'm abandoning my mom because she never sent me to daycare, right? My mom was always there growing up. I'm of that generation where my mom was home until I was 16 and could drive. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to go back to work. Right. And and she did. So how do you... How do you get into the mindset that... How do you get into the mindset? It's, it's, you you know, again, you know, what's what's best for mom? And yeah, that's got to be tough. And I've, you know, I've not had to experience that. But... uh, the caregiver, like yourself, you're working, you, you've got to be able to function, um, you've got to be able to live as normal as you possibly can with somewhat a normal situation. You now have, you know, a mom that used to take care of you. You said it earlier. She used to take care of you. She used to wipe your tears away and, and do all the things, cook your food, and, and now she's not able to. And you're now taking care of her. And it, that's an odd situation. It doesn't, it, it's not a normal feeling. Um, however, having said that, um, you've got to create as much normal normalcy as you possibly can in your life because you need to take care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, if the caregiver doesn't take care of themselves, they're not going to be able to provide that service for, for their loved one. And, um, so, you know, coming to bringing them to an adult daycare program, uh, I'm getting used to what goes on in an adult daycare program. It's almost like you almost have to think about, well, I'm going to drop them off at the office. Um, they're going in and they're, they're going to be working all day. And they're working on their social skills. They're working on um, having a, a good time. Um, they're active. They're not sitting at home in front of the TV. And, you know, this is the hard part for you, of course, is getting your mom to want to go. And um, can you remember as a child there were things that your mom made you do that you didn't want to do? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And, you know, but you did them. And some of the times it turned out pretty good. And you go, wow, I, you know, I'm glad mom made me do that. And, and I think that's what caregivers need to understand, that if there is a program that they can get and they can get in there and they can interact, you know, just even, you know, giving it a try. Because I've, we've had a number of people come to our program and very resistant. And they've had a great time. They go home tired. They uh, have had a great time. They've built new relationships with people. Um, I, I just, you know, you gotta, you've got to become the parent. And, and it's not easy. And it's not easy. It is not. Nobody ever said caregiving is easy. It is not easy. Um, and that's why I really advocate for um, having more support for caregivers and finding out what we can do for caregivers. And we have to reach out to them because caregivers are so busy taking, taking care of themselves and taking care of their loved one. They don't, they don't realize what they need and where they can go and get the resources. And I, I, I'm, um, this is one of my goals in the next um, in this next year is to figure out a way to reach out to caregivers. Uh, and, and it's one of my goals as well, which is why we do this caregiver support segment. And I have access to a lot of resources and you have access to a lot of resources. So we're going to be doing a lot of different things and some will be off air and some will be on air to try to bring more of this to the audience. Um, as we go into the next commercial break, I want you to think about this. When you're redecorating your house, they tell you, wait three days after you make a change before you decide to put it back the way it was. Because it takes, on average, three days for you to get accustomed to a change. When you're dealing with an elderly parent, it can take six days or more. So don't just do something once and assume it's going to stick. you got to give them a little time to get more comfortable with it. So are you giving yourself and others that opportunity to get used to something? Because change is tough for everyone. We'll be right back after the break. I think the hardest part of the show for me is I could speak to my guests for hours and hours on a time, and that just doesn't happen in a one-hour segment. So, uh, Karen, thank you for being here today. I, this is such an important topic, and I know we're going to be doing this every month. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things. We're going right. to be bringing guests from around the world in. I have finance people that are experts in making sure that the money your parents have saved their entire life or that you have saved doesn't all go to care, that there are programs that are out there, but you have to have things established, at least in the U.S., five years before the need happens to make sure that you can take advantage of some of these programs. Otherwise, basically, uh, your parents could lose everything that they built up for. And if it's... Not just one, if, say, both parents are still alive but only one needs the help, you have to worry about the other one who still needs to live in the home and do all those other things. We're going to bring in some different medical practitioners and geriatrics and elder care, and we're going to bring in caregiver support people. I have some incredible guests and friends that help deal with stress. We had Dina Proctor on the other week, and she talked about three-by-three meditations just to help you in three minutes, three times a day. And, uh, Dina, I haven't been doing three minutes three times a day, but I have been doing five minutes a day of just nothingness. And it's very exciting, and it's really helped me. When I think of caregiving and I think about my mom and what I'm watching her go through, 
there's a great deal of sadness for me. And there's anger as well. And guilt. And guilt. Oh, my God. That, that's such a huge thing. Guilt where mm-hmm. I'm trying to do things for myself. I'm, I've decided that I can no longer not work. Um, I need to do it for me. I can't just be a full-time caregiver and not receive income. Um, number one, monetarily, I'd like to receive some income. But also for my own self I need to be doing something out there. But I feel guilty every time I leave my mom, even to come and do this show at the station. Um, in your experience, what are some questions or thoughts that the caregiver can have to help them deal with some of those? And, and, I, and I know this is not your expertise, but I also know that you see this every day. Mm-hmm. You're interacting every day. You know, the caregivers that... Um... Hmm. They they need the time, and I'm glad you're taking time. And you need more than five minutes, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard just to do yeah, the five minutes. You, you, know? you, you need the time. You need to to again. I go back to what I said earlier. If you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of your mom. The stresses will be too great, and you can't uh, um, entertain your mom all the time. Uh, and 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 nor is that your job, really. Um, you're there. You you are taking care of your mom. You're making sure that she is safe, that she is healthy, that she is you know she has nutrition, and um, you know. But there's and, and you interact with her, but she needs more interaction. Um, there's a person still there. There's a person that's still in, in you know inside her that. You need to be able to allow her in her own way to come out with different different uh, activities. And I think that's the biggest thing that I see um, at our adult daycare um, in both locations, in Vero Beach and in Sebastian. I, I see that um, they're, they're having a good time. They go up and they, you know, they'll pat each other on the hand or give a hug. Um, they talk about... Um, you know, the weather, they, there's a routine. Every day there's activities and it's a routine. They come in, they, they talk about the current affairs, the weather, what's going on. Um, there are crafts that are being done. They can have quiet time. Um, you know, of course, we have the, the hot meals and, and um, there's even quiet time with a TV. Um, but we play a movie. It's not a TV show, but we play an old movie. And they light up. Um, music. We have people come in that play music, and so they dance. And I was I was talking earlier. There's this. I'll, I'll tell a funny story. Um, a family brought in their um, their mom, and um, she never danced. Uh, I believe she was um, the religion that she was a very strong Orthodox religion. They just didn't dance. My mom was known as Twinkle Toes. Okay. Well, this. So, anyways, we were explaining the, the, to the family. Well, you know, we have on Thursdays Hobo Jim comes in, and everybody Hobo Jim, Hobo Jim great. He's and they love him, and um, you know they can dance if they want. And they, oh no, no, she she won't dance. She's there's no way that that she's going to. Okay, well that's no problem. Nobody ha- is forced to do anything they don't want to do. Well, that Thursday Hobo Jim came in, and I'll tell you, this woman cut a rug. She was dancing, and she had a blast. We actually had to do a video of her to show her family that, you know what, 
look, look, look what she's doing. You've got your own personal little footloose going oh, on. Oh, is she? And she still does. She's just, it's so fun. Um, so, you know, what you think your mom is going to do or not do may not necessarily be correct. Um, it's, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, so I, I would, uh, on personally to you, I would really have your mom, you know, give it a try. And for everybody that's listening, um, yeah, look outside of the box. It, uh, you know, people need to have that interaction, you know, no matter, you know, how, um, how ill someone may be. And, and, you know, when someone is um, extremely ill, they just need even somebody to hold their hand. And, and that's so important um, that they are a person still. They still need the same sort of things. It's just that they had all their life, but it's different. They have to have it differently. I remember when my dad got diagnosed with Parkinson's, and my dad was one of those bigger-than-life people. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he needed a walker. And with Parkinson's, you begin to lose verbal and you shake, so you drop things. So many people that we thought were close friends dropped them. Mm-hmm. They don't know they, how to interact. They don't know how to interact. No, they don't. And they didn't want responsibility. God forbid something happened. But there were a couple people that, no matter what, stuck by my dad and would take him fishing. You know, just grab a pole, go over at Grand Harbor and sit on the side of the marina and dangle a pole. And it was less about that. It was more about... Um, the interaction. And these are things that I didn't think my dad would do. Right. But yet there was some part of him that had shifted and his thinking had changed. So I really love the fact that you said as caregivers, we need to not assume. Right. That something is good or not good for a parent based on our knowledge of them, because there's something changing inside of them. And we're now connecting to a part of them that we've never encountered before. That's right. So I want to thank you so much for being here with me today. I I mean, there's so much that we don't know, that we think we know. And there are so many resources out there to everybody listening today, whether you live here in Florida, whether you live in Connecticut, New York, Singapore, England, it doesn't matter. There are resources and there are are people out there, whether it's from a faith-based community, whether it's from a governmental institution. But you need to be asking the right questions to make sure you're getting the right care. But don't assume you know the right questions. My favorite question of all time is, what would a wise woman do? So as you know, that's the title of my book. I encourage you, when you're encountering caregiving or dealing with an elderly parent or somebody that is just temporarily disabled that you have to caregive for, think about what knowledge exists outside of yourself that you don't know. Ask yourself, what would somebody wiser than me do at this time to help both myself as the caregiver and the person that needs care? And reach out to us if you need any help. But join us next week. You've been and listening remember, to the right It's questions All About can change the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.